0: What is up, Steeler fans? Welcome back to another episode of The Hangover. We are your Steel Curtain Network hosts. I'm Daniel, alongside with me is Shannon White. Uh, Steelers just beat Packers yesterday in a familiar fashion, down to the wire. Shannon, how was the game for you yesterday? Did you watch it? Where'd you catch it at?
1: Yeah, I watched it at home with the fam. Uh, When we were talking about titles, I said, uh, deja vu, Uh, rinse and repeat. This is a, a carbon copy of the second half of last year. You know, yeah. try to have the offensive line gel, you know, and start playing better at the same time and the running game take off. Play conservative offense. You know, don't beat yourself uh, and find a way to win at the end, you know, when your big time players make money plays. And so it, we've seen this before and, uh, Uh, we, we was hoping for something a little more exciting this year and a little more relaxing at the end of these games, but it ain't happened yet.
0: No, not not yet. In fact, I think uh, I think the Steelers have had one. I think it was like it's like nine consecutive uh, one score wins. Yeah, it's that's insane. That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's keeping us young. It's keeping, our, keeping us on our toes.
1: Maybe you. It's <laughs> easy, <laughs> You
0: know, yesterday, you know, during the game, the first half of the game, uh, obviously I felt like the team was going in the right direction. Broderick yeah. Jones, his I'm, – I'm just saying, man, they should have moved him up sooner. The, the guy executes. Mm-hmm. You know, w- when I looked at the All-22 and I looked at Broderick Jones specifically – One thing that he does that's better than probably any of the the linemen that we have is he's singularly focused on his block and then he moves up to the next spot. Sometimes the other linemen will turn around and watch the play instead of looking for somebody second to go up against. And because he knows where he's going to go and he attacks that spot, there's a lot less missed blocks, which is allowing these running backs to just go crazy. You know, Matt LaFleur had stated after the game that they anticipated the Steelers to run the ball and run it often and in the area and how they anticipated to run it. However, they just couldn't stop it. And that's what I like to hear. That's that's the kind of <laughs> stuff I want to hear. That's bully ball. That's what we've been missing. You know, wh- what are your thoughts on Broderick Jones and uh, where do you think he can you know, where's where's he going? Where's his ceiling at?
1: No, oh, his ceiling's. Sounds- Pro Bowl minimum, Mm -hmm. maybe all pro, Uh, incredibly athletic. Something you were talking about, you know, and I will will just kind of play off of that. Andre Jones, he likes, you know, it's quick. He explodes. Then he flows effortlessly to the next responsibility. He's looking for somebody else to hit. And to block. And a lot of times you watch, like, Dan Moore on one of the sacks yesterday had the initial block, but then Pickett got flushed to that side a little bit uh, from some pressure up the middle against Cole, and Moore could not reset and explode back and pick that block up back up. And his guy come off and was able to sack Pickett Hmm. because Moore was like his feet was stuck in the ground. So many linemen do not have that nimbleness, that athleticism and that explosiveness that Jones has where he would have easily, you know, exploded back and, and shielded that guy off because that's, you know, that's the difference in a first round pick that you move up to get, that should be left tackle and a guy that, that you get in the third or fourth round and you develop him into a solid player. uh um, the PFF had Jones is the third worst grade for the Steelers on offense. I think it was like a 55 60th is average in their scoring and they had him below average. What game are they watching? I mean, the first two games, he was in the seventies when he played who's, which has been the two best scores for any tackle for the Steelers this year. Now they had him yesterday and they put him at 55. That's why I put no faith in their scoring because it never passes the eye test harvest.
0: I agree. He is probably, in my opinion, you know, probably got well, definitely has the most potential on the offensive line. I'm not going to say that he's, you know, up there or surpassing, you know, Isaac Sayomalu yet or or James Daniels as far as, um, you know, how well they do their position. I think that he's going to eventually get there. I'm glad that he's in position now that he can learn from experience. Mm-hmm. And this team can grow with him. You know, he had made he made a comment uh, during the week that, you know, 160 yards rushing last week wasn't enough. You know that he came from Georgia where they ran over 200 yards a game and they ran 205. Yeah. He called it, you know, the the yeah. <laughs> Naj and, and Jalen Warren, the one two punch there. You know, I know a lot of folks have been saying, you know, Jalen Warren needs to be one. Naj needs to be two. I don't think it matters. Right, as long as they're both, you know, being utilized correctly, that one-two exactly. punch I think exactly. is better than Naj versus Warren. And I think yesterday, when they announced the um, the players, George Pickens didn't get announced with the ones, but uh, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren were both
1: announced. Yep. From what yep. I understand,
0: what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that was a message to George Pickens, or is that something to elevate Jalen Warren?
1: I think it was a message to a lot of people. Uh, you know, Piggins needed a message. Jalen Warren talked today about how much it meant to him. You know, this is a, we got to remember, this is an undrafted afterthought. Mm They was another running back that they had paid a good bit of signing bonus as an undrafted for agent. They thought he was going to be the guy who would make the roster. Jalen Warren was just another body. And Jalen Warren now is arguably their most efficient an effective offensive player every week he makes plays every week that determination and that effort level is unquestionable he makes third downs out of sheer will or he gets close to them. he the reason he was able to go for it on fourth down yesterday is he did a superhuman effort to get within the yard or two i mean he has been such a blessing you know we i like to call him muscle uh, uh muscle hamster or mighty mouse He's got all these nicknames because he's so exciting. Um, but the Steelers really found something yesterday, I think, in that they ran the ball consistently to the right side behind James Daniels and brother Jones. They have not had a, either side of the line that they could consistently do that uh, until late last year when they was able to do it with Daniels and more on the left side. Well, they, they, at the beginning of the game, they was pounding the Packers on the right side. And I said, well, at least they got one side. Well, then all of a sudden, Somalu and Moore started blowing some big holes on the left side. That bodes well. Because you know that Mason Call, who we all like, I, I really like him. His communication skills and his leadership. But he's kind of the weak link as far as uh, uh, blocking. And so if you can have both sides of the line that can efficiently and effectively run block like they did yesterday, that's going to open up so many things and help minimize uh, Coles. Maybe not being, you know, top tier blocking.
0: Yeah. That was one of the things that is starting to stick out a little bit, especially in the pass protection is Mason Coles. um, He sticks out. He sticks out that there's a lot of pressure coming up the middle of the defense of the offense, and there's many a times where I'm watching the game and you see Kenny Pickett having pressure and you're seeing Mason Cole looking back at it. And, and mm-hmm. that's, yeah, I don't Not like good. that. Guess, <laughs> it, you know, it's going to have to, you know, the Steelers obviously are going to have to, you know, ride with Mason Cole for the, the, the remainder of the year. I don't think that they're going to bench him for, for, for her big. Uh, I mean, there's a possibility, but. I don't think he's playing that bad that they would, you know.
1: Win. No, no. And his communication is very important. Right. You know, that that is all still very important. But um, I don't know if there's an injury that we're really not, they haven't fully disclosed. But, yeah, but he's struggling with power up the middle this year, worse than last year.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it's just, you know, like I said, it's it's, it's kind of sticking out a little bit. But with Broderick Jones out there, he kind of not just cleans up that aspect but because he's able to pull and he's pulling around and he's opening holes up for the running backs and he's helping the center um by being able to pull as well and it's kind of you know shielding it a little bit but during pass protection is where it really shows up in my opinion uh it's gonna be something to watch for for the rest of the year you know. Matt Canada, another game on the sideline, another game where the Steelers score an opening drive touchdown. Steelers did well in the first half. Uh, you think we see uh we don't see Matt Canada in the booth anymore? He's gonna stay the rest of the season on the sideline.
1: You know, I think you'd have to be crazy to let him go back to the booth because you know we know what a for supposedly lost his job for. Now I believe he lost his job because Jones is just a lot better player. And they needed something, you know, as an excuse, because coaches don't like to admit they're wrong. Mm-hmm. But imagine if Canada was standing on the sidelines and the four could have talked directly to Canada instead of up in the booth. Yeah, uh, that was against Jacksonville. And again, I agree with him. You. You're running the same stupid plays that didn't work in the first half. You're losing by ten at the start of the fourth quarter, and you're running the same plays. Yeah, I mean, you know, Corvo is not the only person that says it, but he did say speak out about it and say something. And then, you know, the, you don't when you're playing bad and and you got a better player behind you, it don't take a lot to get you replaced. So, um, I think now Canada can get a feel. You know, they listen to the guys, watch them, their body language, and 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 their reactions as they come off the field. And these calls, they ain't working, and the and the players are kind of down. They, you know, they're not enthusiastic about these play calls. And you can make adjustments. You, you get a feel of the ebb and the flow. I think that there's only five offensive coordinators in the booth now. Mm-hmm. And the NFL Network did a survey and asked them, what's the benefit of being down on field level? Well, as you know, I've wrote for two weeks, you get to sense – a true sense of the game and the ebb and the flow. Every guy agreed with me. It, it's just, it's impossible to have that connection setting up in that move
0: I agree. And, and the other thing is too, he, he's able to talk to other positions outside of the quarterback, you know, and the quarterback can actually talk back to him unless he goes and yeah. picks up a phone or whatnot. Usually, you know, in between plays or whatnot, he can hear the offensive coordinator, but he can't talk back. And, you know, now if there's like a, um, you know, maybe an injury or something where the stop is minimal and it's brief, he can run over to the sideline, you know, tell him what he's thinking or what he's seeing and they can have that conversation yeah. versus him up there. So, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think he needs to, he's found his spot on the <laughs> on the team is to be on the sideline calling to plays from there and making sure that he's available to the players so that he can get that, po- uh, that fees, feedback back and forth. Um <clears throat> There there was a little bit of a little bit of a controversy in this game. The backwards pass uh, mm-hmm. slash lateral. What do you think about that? Do you think that there's, there's something to that? You think it went backwards?
1: Oh, it went backwards.
0: Yeah, I think so too.
1: Yeah. When it happened, I was like, oh crap, that's a backward lateral. And we, I, I knew that they blew the whistle. So mm-hmm. I'm like, they can't give him the green Bay guy where he picked the ball up and dove in. They can't give him that. But, but where he picked the ball up, that'll be where they get the ball. Mm-hmm. And the the announce, on TV, the announcer was like, yeah, I mean, that was a backward lateral. And, and then when they come back and said it wasn't, I was like, oh, man. It, you know, Stewart's got lucky there. Uh, again, a lot of times, if it's even close, the refs don't want to admit they're wrong either. But for anybody with eyes, you can see that was a backward lateral.
0: Yeah. I- there's the uh, there's the theory that's going on out there that this is the same referee uh, Scott something and that called Joe Hayden offsides in Green Bay when he wasn't offsides on the uh, the block kick and mm-hmm. he's the same person that said that this was a uh, you know uh, a forward pass that maybe it's some sort of payback for the bad call a couple of years ago. <laughs> I don't
1: believe that. He's just an imp. <laughs> he's just an him. <laughs>
0: that that could be it too that could be it too um but speaking about Kenny Pickett he didn't he didn't wow the stat sheet yeah i did see that he was under pressure a handful of times um i did think that maybe perhaps he was locking in on some receivers a little bit too much uh overall though i don't think he was the game plan i think that it was the running aspect of this game was going to be the game plan in this game i think that was very obvious from the first you know, scripted plays that the game was going to be played one and loss on the ground here. And, and the Steelers did what they had to do, but there's been a lot of talk about Kenny Pickett and a lot of concern about him. Uh, after another game, what, what are your thoughts? What, how do you feel on the quarterback uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers?
1: Well, we've talked about it before, so I'm not going to be long-winded, uh, or, or argue, uh, I see the exact same thing every week. Cause it's the exact same offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hear people say, well, you know, he's slow going through his progressions. Uh, he locked onto the first guy. He made up his mind where he's going to go with the ball pre-snap, mm-hmm. but a lot of quarterbacks do. Uh, but a lot of guys, their first read is always a primary read and those guys get wide open. Doesn't happen in this offense Very mm-hmm. so. Uh, and when you throw in the conservative factor and you throw in that they're not using the middle of the field again at all, it's so bad when they tried to do a rub route to end the game. It was a actually a good idea, but CA3, has he's not used to doing it, and he just ran right into the game. He didn't even try to make it look like, you know, that he was an accidental or incidental. Right. Um. Again, that's, that goes into coaching. you got to coach these guys up on how to be crafty. Just like they're teaching Joey Porter Jr. and hopefully Darius Rush and these guys, how to play tight press coverage. There's little tricks to the trade to get away with things. you got a guy like Peterson. You say, they teach these young Well, you got to teach these things. Well, they never even go to the middle of the field. And when they do, they screw it up. I remember last year, two of our receivers ran into each other. So it's just, you know, when you don't do something and then you're going to do it, yeah, it's going to work. It's going to surprise the defense, but it's also kind of a surprise to you because you don't do it. Um, I was, I'm really focusing on the encouraging aspects of yesterday's offense. They scored on three of the first four possessions. The one they didn't score on was a a very telegraph running play to Harris. That's the thing. They kept running to Harris on first down even though mm-hmm. Warren was having a very effective first pass. yeah, And I was very frustrated with that, that they didn't alternate more because Harris was not getting a lot on a lot of the first down runs. And then the second play of that drive that didn't work was the backward lateral. Mm-hmm. And then it was just downhill from there. And they had a rhythm up to that point. And then it just kind of, they flatlined the rest of the game. We started seeing those familiar three and outs. Yeah. Um, and, and, I mean, honestly, what I've seen watching is there was not a lot of, okay, well, this option was open and this one wasn't. Uh, he didn't have to pass a lot, and when he did, he did not have a lot of open options. Um, now, had he hit that big pass to Johnson where there was a defensive holding where the guy grabbed Johnson's jersey and didn't let him get the touchdown in the first quarter. Had he have caught that, numbers would have looked better. But you know that you know he did draw a pass interference. Yeah. Uh, had Johnson caught the ball that hit him in both hands when he had the one on one coverage down the left side, that the numbers would have looked a lot better. That didn't happen. Um, but the main thing is is the offense was effective uh, more so than they have been. It's always been late in the game. This time uh-huh. if they started it earlier in the game which now they got to get in the middle too, but at least <laughs> we're seeing some progress and the progress will come as that offensive line improves. Like we've talked about all year, everything else will improve. And then we'll have more of an idea of what progress is actually being made, especially by Kenny Pickett.
0: Yeah. I can't argue with that. Um, you know, for the most part, like one, one, I have no idea if any receivers were open or not open. We haven't seen the all 22 Uh, from the game footage. It it didn't appear that he was. I've seen worse games from him. I'll I'll put it that way. I'm not going to say that his game and this game here was was one of his best games or any of that. But I don't think he was utilized in that manner. Um, I think the priority of this game was the running game and that the Steelers were going to take over this game and control the clock. I mean, they only had one full possession in the first quarter that ended up in a touchdown. The the second possession in the first quarter, you know, spilled over to the second quarter, and that one ended up also in a touchdown. And so when you're playing that style of offense, where you're going to be running the ball out and taking the air out of the ball, so to speak, and just running time down, that's going to give for less opportunities for those bigger stats. Um, you know, the the concern, I guess, the only concern that I really saw was there's a couple of times um, or more often than not. And, and I think this is what's getting picked up by a lot of the defenses is that Kenny likes to roll out to his left whenever he gets in any type of trouble or any of those type of things. He's rolling out to his left and and defenses are seeing that. And that's what we saw last week. And, and this week is when he rolled out to the left. There was a couple of people waiting there for him and both occasions he was able to do some magic and get out of there. And this week he ended up running, I think, for a few yards. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I thought that he's using his legs a little bit better in these last couple of uh, weeks, actually pushing the ball down the field with his legs running. You know, uh, I think that's been improved a little bit as well. You know, he's dealing with the rib injury, so I know they're going to try to limit, you know, him running with the ball. They don't want him to get hit. But, you know, once he's healthy, I I don't mind seeing that aspect of his game. But I just don't I don't know if this was a fair game to judge, you know, whether or not he was on or off solely based on the limited amount of reps that he had. I mean, I know he had 20 something attempts, 23 attempts, but during some of those, it was high pressure coming up the middle, things like that. You um, know, I will say I was disappointed in the outcome. I thought that with a secondary like the Packers had with the, the injuries that they had that this would have been more of a breakout game, but I don't think the the game plan was to attack the secondary in that manner, Um, which is a little bit confusing because the the Packers are just coming off of a, a, a big run defensive game. And well, it doesn't matter. The Steelers went up there and ran it down their throat, but you know, what, what do you think about that, that the Steelers were going up against and attacking the strength of the defense while allowing the weakness, or just kind of overlooking the weaknesses of the defense, having three defensive backs out for the Green Bay Packers.
1: And well, you just said it all right there. That that describes the ineptitude of Matt Canada and the Steelers <laughs> in general yeah. on both sides of the ball. Because I'm not giving Trill um, Austin a pass either. The yeah. Steelers are notorious for playing their game. Game with their style, sticking with their game plan, and they don't play situational football. Everybody else, if a team's got most starting cornerbacks out, they're going to attack that weakness. They're going to attack that and make them prove they can stop it. Steelers don't do that. If the uh, the offense um, you know, has a backup quarterback in there and all, they still play soft zone and, and don't want to give up the big play and let that guy pick them apart and find a rhythm by completing all these wide open passes where if you jump on a quarterback, especially a young quarterback early, he never develops a rhythm. Huh. The Steelers do a poor job of playing situational football on both sides of the ball. So when the people say, Oh, the, this guy's injured, or that guy's injured. And I'm like, it really ain't going to matter because the Steelers don't take advantage of it. Yesterday. Um, like when they played the Texas, the Texas uh, offensive line, was almost all backups and the Steelers got no push. They got no pressure on shroud. It was crazy. It was like, they come in overconfident. They weren't prepared and they got smacked in the face. Well, yesterday the Packers were missing some key components and it didn't matter. I mean, the one thing I thought, is you said, the Packers have a really good run defense and the Steelers ran it right down their throat. Thankfully they were able to do that because they could not take advantage of the injuries in the secondary at all.
0: Yeah. That, that was one of the things, like I said, that was just. Again, I
1: think it's, it's a lot of the problems uh, is subpar. I I think a lot of the problems is subpar coaching and, and I'm looking forward to seeing that improve in the future.
0: I agree. You know, that, that does, it is a concern because that seems to be the common issue is sometimes the Steelers are attacking the strength of of a team and, and let, letting them get away with their weaknesses, um, you know, that, that has been something that's been on the offense, on the defense. And we'll talk more about the defense when we get right back. We're going to take a quick break on the YouTube side. Don't go anywhere. We're not going anywhere. But on the audio only side, we'll see you guys after a few seconds or a few words from our sponsors. And we're back. Welcome back, everybody, to The Hangover. It's myself, Daniel, and Shannon Wyatt. We're talking about the Steelers' victory over the Green Bay Packers, 23-19, to in another game that went all the way down to the final second. But before we get back into it, Shannon, you, you have a stock up, stock down um, report coming out this week. When, when, when can we expect it, and can you give us a little preview of that? Uh,
1: should post around 11 tomorrow um on the still curtain network um last week i had no stock trending downs and Mm. because i thought after the tough loss to the jaguars we needed some some positivity and um i think everybody's in a better place now so there is a couple of stock downs in the article that everybody needs to check out um you know it's not overwhelming this is not stuff that can't be taken care of and rectified the stores are going to have to get a little creative. Um, the injury to Quan Alexander is, can be crushing, uh, especially if the stores don't, uh, get creative in a and addressing this shortcoming. Um, it happens. it seems like it always happens after the trade deadline when you hopefully can make an immediate move to rectify, uh, or to assist in the situation. So, um the Steelers' personnel usage has been a big issue this season. As we've talked about, guys like Broderick Jones, Joey Porter Jr., Keanu Benton, they should have been playing more long ago. I mean, it was obvious um, whether it's just stubbornness on the coaching staff's behalf, wanting the guys to earn it, wanting Porter to show he's willing to tackle, which he did make a really good tackle yesterday. Oh, yeah. Uh, wanting, you know, to make a guy beat out a veteran, not just hand him a position. But it's just they've been slow reacting. And even more so, the personnel usage issue of not playing your depth guys until there's a major injury and then you're forced to throw them in there. Like I've been saying all year, Mark Robinson should have been part of the rotation. He could fill in and emulate a Landon Roberts. They're basically the same player. They're very similar. Robertson is more athletic, but he's younger, so he also struggles in coverage, just like Roberts does. He could have been in there next to Holcomb or Alexander, you know, handful of plays each game, getting familiar, getting to where he recognizes things instinctually and attacking the line of scrimmage. When he had to play yesterday, when Alexander went out, I watched Robertson and he was hesitant. And he didn't attack the line of scrimmage like he was in the preseason. And he was last year. And because Landon Robertson is not a natural green dot guy, he's not usually the guy calling out the defenses and getting everybody lined up. Robertson was kind of out there on his own. And he was trying not to make the big mistake instead of playing instinctually and aggressively like he normally does. I wish they would have used him earlier in the year and got him regular reps, and then he would be prepared for this. Now he's not. Now you have a guy, uh, like they didn't use Darius Rush. He was inactive yesterday. Mm -hmm. After he got about 30 snaps against the Titans and played well. So they said he's not ready for our sub packages. He's not familiar with them. Well, you're never going to be familiar with him until you get experience. All I want them to do with Darius Rush is let him press. Put him on a guy and say, that's your guy, press coverage. That's the most instinctual position in the NFL. Behind running back, the next most instinctual position is press cover corner. That's your guy, sick him. And Rush should have been playing with Riley, but instead Riley Riley took those snaps that Rush got against the Titans and Riley played really well. Again, two times he's got a chance this year and he shows excellent closing speed, which is something this defense needs. Mm -hmm. So they have a situation that you've got a Landon Roberts, Keanu Neal, Levi Wallace, who are all very poor in coverage. Wallace was targeted on both those touchdowns yesterday. Mm -hmm. And I would rather see a guy like Darius Rush matched up and maybe he gets a penalty. But I don't believe he lets that guy break wide open on that long touchdown. I, I mean, he has got he's faster, he's taller, he's stronger. He needed to be out there. So if the Stewards are going to survive this rash of injuries, especially at the inside linebacker position, they're going to have to, one, get F- Mika Fitzpatrick back, which hopefully he's really close to happening. Mm -hmm. but two, they're going to have to be more creative and more willing to use all of the talent at their disposal.
0: Yeah. And it's not going to be any easier with, like you mentioned, um, Quan Alexander out, you know, the middle linebacker position now question mark as far as how they're going to go forward. Cause you know, if I was an offense that isn't Matt Canada ran, I would attack the weakness of the defense, which would be, you know, the middle of the field. And, um, you know, tight ends to the middle of the field, making make forcing the Mark Robinson and the Landon Roberts cover a tight end or a running back in open mm-hmm. space. That's that's what I would do, and I think that's what we're probably going to see uh, this upcoming week uh, against the Browns. But with Quan Alexander out, what what options do you think that the Steelers mm-hmm. have at the middle linebacker position? You know, I know that they they elevated a guy who. Um, Was a safety converted middle linebacker. They have a couple of other guys on the practice squad, but it's slim pickings out there. Um, I know that Miles Jack is a name that's been floating around.
1: (laughs) Uh, uh, He's an electrician.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So so what do you think the Steelers go from here with that position as far as getting a coverage guy?
1: Well, uh, I've read uh, an article today. They were talking about um, Rashad Evans, who the Steelers and Tomlin really liked when he came out of Alabama. Uh, he is fast. He's athletic. Uh, he is better at pass coverage than he is as a run defender. He's out there as a free agent. Um, there's a guy like Nick Kwiatkowski, as, as we, you had talked about recently, Mm-hmm. That's out there uh, on a practice squad. Um, that's somebody else that they can look at uh, and try to poach the guy because at this point, you really, Megan Fitzpatrick will help with a lot of this middle of the field coverage issues because he's been having to this year because mm-hmm. as I said, Neil and and some of the guys are not good coverage guys, so Fitzpatrick's having to sacrifice his ball hawking ability to be, uh, leading the team in tackles, him and Holcomb was about tied. Um, so getting Fitzpatrick back will help, but there's no way the stores are going to be able to recoup what they lost with Holcomb and Alexander, but they need to find a couple of answers behind Roberts and Robertson, uh, especially for coverage because Roberts and Robertson are very similar. Hmm. So they need to get some athleticism and speed. Uh, And Kwiatkowski not that fast, but he is very instinctual and smart. And his coverage is uh, much better than the guys they have right now. So uh, I expect them to make a move or two this week, Uh, but they might get creative. The kid Walker, they just signed to the practice squad from Atlanta Falcons. He had played 20. He had started 20 games in the last couple of seasons. So mm-hmm. uh that is his forte is his athleticism and his mobility. Uh, I'm not that familiar with him. I don't know how good he is in coverage, but at least he could give them something they might be missing. But without the trade, you know, past the trade deadline, now you're kind of limited. We I talked last week in the article, me and you might've talked about it. Nick Herbig, when we come out of college, I thought he was going to be an off-ball linebacker.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he's the kind of guy that I think could give them maybe eight to 10 snaps a game um, in that rotation and really play well because we know how good he is against the run. Uh, He's an excellent tackler. And um, I think he's got the athleticism to not be a slouchy coverage.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. You know, finding a coverage linebacker in the middle, there's going to be key. Uh, Like I said, Offenses are going to target that. They're going to put linebacker. they're going to put tight ends, they're going to put running backs there, they're going to put them in space. And they're going to run at they're going to run up the middle at them. It's going to be really important for this defensive line to to stand up, which you well, know, this week against the Packers, they, they were so and so. You know, I thought that Keanu Benton had a very good game, you know, for the Steelers front line. Uh, I thought that TJ Watt, he had a sack. And he had some pressures, but I don't I don't feel like he was the same T.J. Watt that uh, he kind of took another step back, in my opinion, as far as, you know, it, it appeared that he was playing hurt. And then last week he comes out, has a pretty, pretty good game. And then this week, um just kind of, you know, he got a sack, but just got, the pressures weren't there. Um, High Smith, he did all right, but. Cam Hayward, he's been a guy that, that got a lot of discussion about his play and his age and his and the injury. Is he still affected? And I didn't I didn't really get that. I saw him getting double teamed quite a bit. I saw him um, you know, maybe not getting pressure on the quarterback as like he would, but he's not getting uh pushed back. He's not losing in runs. What what was your opinion of of Cam Hayward back back in action this week?
1: Well, I was thrilled to have Hayward back against the Titans just for what he can offer as the run defense Mm -hmm. in the interior. Uh, I kind of figured that that groin injury was going to really hinder his explosiveness. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hayward has never been a quick twitch athlete. He's got his pressures and his sacks through sheer strength and just driving guys, carrying guys back to the quarterback. And... If you have a groin injury, especially one severe enough to have the surgery like he did, you can tell he's a little tentative. Uh, He's not pushing off the same. He's anchoring well, and he's playing good run defense, but he's not pushing the pocket. Um, Actually, I thought Keanu Benton played excellent game yesterday. Watching him, he's got such violent hands, and he throws guys around. I mean he don't just move he he looks like young Hayward and that he literally tosses guys out of the way and just moves through them just swims through them getting back to the quarterback he um he's got star potential and he could very well be the next Cam Hayward for the Steelers I've said in recent years that I think for Hayward he's there's going to he's going to have to take a salary reduction they're going to have to adjust his contract. And he's going to have to move to the interior, maybe nose tackle, similar to how Tyson Alulu lengthened his career at the end. Mm-hmm. Because Hayward is not offering much of anything right now as a pass rusher. And if Hayward could drop in and take care of that nose tackle and let Benton take his position, I think the stewards would actually be better off But, again, it's hard to ask a veteran who's meant so much to your franchise to – people look at things as a a demotion. But it's not a demotion if you're helping the whole team. It actually helps you earn the salary you're making when you're making the kind of money he is. But I do not see him being effective anymore uh, at that end position.
0: Yeah, it, that that is true. You know, I, I I will say that the the pressure aspect uh, of Cam Hayward's game didn't show up. I'm hoping maybe with more time and and more weeks uh, away from the growing injury and the surgery that maybe he can get some of that back. But you're right. When it comes to a severe injury or a surgery like that, everybody's different and everybody reacts differently. You know, I, I had a uh, like an Achilles tendon rupture and. And Aaron Rodgers had one and I can tell you he's way ahead of where I was. Now, I'm not a I'm not a pro athlete or any of those things, but he's miles away from where I was at that point of where I was injured. So everybody acts differently. And and like for me, that was my first major injury. I had not never had surgery or any of those type of things. So um, I was very timid doing some of the things like pushing up, getting up on my toes. So, you know, if if there's some sort of psychological aspect to it, I mean, he's going to have to go through that and that can take some time, you know, but I think Rogers
1: had a, I think Rogers had a lot better facilities and, and rehab uh, than you did.
0: Oh, that's probably (laughs) very true. (laughs) I wasn't at a, at a million dollar facility or had a million dollar, uh, uh, surgeon to to do my 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 surgery but Uh, um you know the those injuries and and those types of injuries that require surgery can have a mental aspect to it Mm -hmm. um you know this week going up against the browns uh i think we're going to see a lot of keanu benton out there maybe a little bit less of of uh, Hayward in passing situations, but I think we'll see him more often when it comes to the running game. Like you mentioned, maybe perhaps moving to nose tackle. I, I have seen him out there in the nose tackle um more often than I have seen him in years past being placed in the nose tackle position. So that might you might be on to something about that, especially to expand his career. Uh, but he's getting up there, you think you know you mentioned that you know his contract needs to come down and things like that. Do you think he has another year in him after this?
1: Oh, especially if he makes the move uh, to nose, yes. Um, They mentioned it last year, and he hates that idea. He does not like playing nose. He does not think he's effective. But that's one of the strongest defensive linemen the Steelers have ever had. Cam Hayward is a brute. And if he wants to anchor against two guys, you'll watch him do it all the time, easily. And he could be a wonderful nose tackle. But again, if he, it's all in how he looks at it. If he looks at it like a demotion, he's not going to fully commit. You know, we know that we're all that way. It's just their natural ego. And, but I believe if he's going to stay with the Stars and help them and hopefully have a chance to be a contender, let's say, you know, Super Bowl contender, maybe next year, mm-hmm. then. He for him to be worthy of the amount of money that he's wanting to expect, he needs to first adjust the contract and then make the position switch.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. And I would like to see him. I know that in the off season he had mentioned on his podcast that he wanted to play another four years. I don't know if four years is, you know, is in the tables, but it's, you know, you never know. And I just, like I said, I'm just glad to see him back out there. He's a grown grown man out there. And, you know, I I know I heard some of the things and the rumblings of of him falling off a little bit, but, you know, I saw him taking on double teams and getting that respect as well. And so, you know, um, I think he's going to be effective. I, I don't know how for how long. You know, me personally, I think that you're right. If he finds that to be a, uh, you know, something disrespectful or whatnot, then maybe perhaps he doesn't want to go that route. But, I mean, he's he's got an opportunity to play another year with his brother, you know, play for the team that he did, uh, you know, the Steelers that appears that he loves us, loves the team. So, and the city and, and the whole nine yards. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he could end up being a guy that stays out there. But they released Brendan Fioco. Is that a sign to you that that's going to be Cam Hayward's possible position as well? Because, yeah, I mean, I know Fiocco hasn't gotten much time, but that's what he is, right? He's a nose tackle.
1: Yeah, you told me that right before we went on air. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? I mean, I was really shocked. I've been shocked that they haven't given him more time anytime since they signed him in the offseason because – He is a true old-school nose tackle in that he ties up blockers and he lets the inside linebackers, uh, the edge guys, everybody else flow to the ball. He doesn't make tackles and get statistics. He's more of the team-first, sacrificial (laughs) position. And now playing uh, the Browns this week, uh, a team that, that likes to run heavy, uh, I was really shocked that they released Fajoko now. Um, I don't know what the plan is. Uh, hopefully, Montrevious Adams is back. Maybe his injury was just a weak thing and, and you know, that he can be back. Because they're going to need all hands on deck this week to try to slow down the Browns. Um, now, one thing I will say, I read that they're doing an MRI tomorrow on Deshaun Watson's ankle that he oh, started lamping really? around on late in the game against the Ravens. Um, if there's any question, he won't play. If, if he's having aches and pains, uh, we, as we've seen, uh, he won't play. And they'll lean on the running game even more. So I think the Steelers really, their primary focus needs to be stopping that run and making the Browns beat him through there. Uh, regardless if it's Watson or Walker or who it is.
0: I agree. I'm not, th- I've never been afraid of Deshaun Watson's passing mm-hmm. ability. You know, the one year that he had a great year, in my opinion, they, he was coming back. The team itself was trying to come back from a bunch of uh, being down a lot. I think they went like five and like 11 or something that year. It mm-hmm. was a super bad team. And that was his best year. Got a lot of stats in those, you know, um, garbage time st- type of stuff. So, you know, I've never been impressed with him that much. Uh, I think that it's going to be a tough game for the Steelers just kind of because of the injuries. Keanu Neal, apparently he landed on the football. This is what he said. He landed on the football, so they were checking out his ribs. But he didn't return to the game. Uh, are you concerned? I know his pass coverage maybe perhaps isn't there, but he is a guy that can tackle. Um, if, if he is not a go, Trent Thompson – he was out there. I thought he looked like a little bit of a liability. Darius Rush, uh, apparently, like you mentioned earlier, he um, they were doing some sub package zone type of things that he wasn't caught up to speed yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that's the same game plan going up against the Browns? Or do you think that the Steelers are going to maybe do a little bit more, more man coverage and, and get, get Rush back out there? Because honestly, when you look at the secondary... Minka, he's coming back from the hamstring. I don't know where his speed is going to be, his first game. If he's back this week, there's no guarantee there. But if he is back, you know, is he going to be this the fast guy or the speedy guy that he was prior to the injury, or is that going to take a couple of weeks to, to get back? And outside of him, you have four five and four-six secondary. Everybody's slow. Rush is a four-three guy. He's the guy that can at least, you know, don't get taken over the top. Uh, yeah. I would like to see Rush in there. Um, just solely because of that. Uh, but that's going to require more of a uh, man defense. We didn't see it that much this week. Uh, is there a reason why you think that the Steelers did that? Do you think it was the matchup against Jordan Love or was it because of Minka not being out there? I, I'm not sure. What What are your thoughts?
1: I think combination. Uh, yeah. uh, they didn't really respect Love's game, in my opinion. Uh, that's why they went with all the soft zone. I thought that if you could make him throw it enough that he'd make a mistake and they could intercept the ball, which at the end he did, and they made two interceptions late. So I guess we could only question that rationale to a point. But um, I would rather see Porter and Rush pressing and then let Wallace and Peterson, especially Peterson, play more to his strength, which he could cover the slot some, cover a tight end, which, you know, the Browns like to use their tight end a good bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, don't give them the easy completions, the soft zone, that vanilla stuff is – is it just – it allows teams to get in favorable down the distances. You know, they don't always get the 10 yards, but they get an easy six or seven quick. And yeah. uh, hopefully that, as you say, we'll see a difference there. Uh, Rush has the speed. To match up, he's also tall and long, uh, can tackle. You know they were using him in some safety concepts uh, against the Titans, uh, just using that speed to play. You know the uh, deep safety and kind of do a little bit of copycat of Fitzpatrick, and and hopefully Fitzpatrick is back because if he is, then I feel much better about the run defense, even without uh, Holcomb and Alexander. Uh, because like I said, I mean, I'm really uh that's my biggest concern on defense moving forward right now is how they are going to adequately replace those two guys. That's that's devastating in back-to-back weeks.
0: Yeah, that definitely is. I mean, it is talk about back to square one when it comes to this yeah. middle linebacker group, you know. <laughs> it, it is what it is. Um, you know, the Steelers are just gonna have to move forward with it. Uh, but a guy that played well on the defense this, this past week kind of changed the game in two different ways Uh, for the secondary was Patrick Peterson. I thought he had a very excellent game. He was responsible for the tip that ended up being an interception by Keanu Neal. And he was also responsible for the block that forced the uh, Green Bay Packers to have to put Mm -hmm. the ball in the end zone at the end of the game. You know, I thought he did a great job in this game. Uh, I thought his coverage was a lot better in this game. Uh, You know, I think that one of the things, though, that has come up a lot when it comes to uh, some of these interviews in the locker room with these defensive backs is the fact that the issue has been communication. There's been a lot of problems with communication. I think that Minka Fitzpatrick coming back alleviates a lot of those miscommunication issues. Uh, I I hope he's back as well. I think that's going to be huge for this team. But, you know, if not – I think maybe perhaps maybe uh, Patrick Pete is a guy that can kind of take over. Um, But just to go back real quick to the middle linebacker group, Landon Roberts, he's the guy with the green dot, no question, no doubts. He's going to be on the field every single play, right?
1: Yeah, he's going to have to. He's not done it before, really. I think the last time might have been with the Patriots. So it's been a while. Uh, You know, I wrote an article that, Cole Holcomb wasn't scared of the little green dot. Um, a lot of guys, they are paralyzed. Uh, the paralysis of overanalysis. Yeah. When they have to think too much, they don't play instinctual and they hesitate. Mm-hmm. We see it with cornerbacks. You remember Artie Burns. When Artie Burns got trapped in his own mind, he was done. And, and you see that. Um, I, I don't think that's going to happen with Roberts. He's a vested veteran. But, um, I watched his communications was not the same as Holcomb. Neither was Alexander, but because Holcomb was really good at communicating with everybody, and uh, and as you said, Kazee mentioned after the game yesterday that they really miss. There's communication issues, and they really miss um, Fitzpatrick. So, yeah, there's just that's going to have to tighten up as they move into especially these divisional games.
0: Yeah, these divisional games are going to be huge. Yeah. You know, the Steelers got two back-to-back in Ohio, one against Cleveland this upcoming Sunday, and then the next week is against the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. And, you know, these are going to be tough tough games for the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially coming off with the, the injuries that they have on the, on the defensive side. I think more is going to be asked of the offensive side. I anticipate to see more of the running game and efforts to – uh, minimize the opportunities for the opposing defense or opposing offenses, uh, similar to like this game. I think, I think that's going to be the game plan. I think that's the identity of this team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as long as the running game is doing what they're doing, now I'm not sure, you know, 200 yards a game is something that you can expect, but, you know, if they're being able to get 150 to 160 yards a game consistently, I, I think this is an offense that can work and, and be good enough for this team to actually make some sort of run when you look at the teams in the AFC, you know, outside of maybe me, maybe the chiefs, I don't think that there's a team that's not beatable, you know? And I think that the Steelers, if they find themselves playing, I don't know, the Miami Jacksonville and, and the Ravens, I think that those are all three, three teams in the playoffs that the Steelers can go into and, and it's they can win those games, in my opinion. And so, uh, you know, don't give up on the season is basically what I'm trying to say. Oh, there's no, a lot of no, folks no. that are, yeah. that are upset and they're um, you know, they don't, they don't like where the offense is at. You know, the stats don't, they're not what you, or what we want. And be honest, they're not, but at the end of the day, there's not a uh, juggernaut team right now. That's just blowing people away. And I think that there's the opportunity for the Pittsburgh Steelers to, to, to still make some noise, you know, mm-hmm. They're going to have to get healthy. They're going to have to get healthy. Uh, Do you got any final words for everybody before we let everyone out?
1: Well, I I like what you said. Uh, That's so true. You just don't know. That's why you play the games. That's why you try to hang around and make the playoffs. Uh, You want to get better each week. You want to look to the future and say, you know, like I said, is this the answer? Is Kenny Pickett the answer? Is, you know, what guys do we want to bring back next year? Where do we need to add? Every game matters, whether it's a win or loss, a blowout. There's something to be learned. It's something to be gained. Um, So if you'd have told me yesterday that the Ravens was going to go up 17 to three and look dominant in doing so, and that they were going to have a complete collapse at home and let the Browns come back and win, I'd have said, no way. So, there is no perfect teams. Kansas City has not been the same offense this year that they've been in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh they have Mahomes and Kelsey, but they don't have a lot else. Um, and they're getting by a lot on the greatness of those and two and and Andy Reid as the offense, uh, and the head coach. So um, you know, the the Steelers have we'll see, um eight games left uh-huh. to really continue to build and improve. And, and they can be a lot better at the end of the season than they are right now. And, you know, they need, they need some good health. They need yeah. to quit losing starters uh, for the season. Uh, you know, I would feel a lot better about the situation if that hadn't happened, but uh yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm encouraged. I've seen some progress. Uh, to see a first quarter where the Steelers actually looked efficient mm-hmm. on offense. Hey, we're not talking enough about that. That yeah. that was important. The improvement of the offensive line, the running lanes. That running lane that Najee Harris ran through for the touchdown. I don't think he had a running lane that big in his career NFL career thus far. I mean, he could have walked in, and he basically did. That is progress, folks. So let's just stay positive and focus on the little things they can change and improve, and hopefully we'll keep going in the right direction.
0: I agree 100%. I think that this team is moving in the right direction. It's going going a little bit slow, and I think that – I'll be honest. I think that the practice schedule for the NFL probably has a little bit to do with that. You know, when you're not allowed to hit throughout the week – and and things like that, mm-hmm. that can affect timing on the offensive side. And I think that's might be a uh, a reasoning why we're not seeing offenses dominate like they used to, or at least this year. Um, but hey, that works for the Steelers' favor, especially now if they got the uh the running game going and they're able to control the ball and and move the ball down the field. I'm excited. I, I think that you know there obviously there's some some deficiencies, but I don't think that they're deficiencies that are are going to completely take this game out of competition. So I still got some faith. I still think that they're, they're willing, they're more than capable of winning, you know, definitely getting in double digit wins and especially with the remaining schedule, you know, the strength of the schedule, I I think they can get in double digit wins. And I think this is going to be a team that's going to be in the playoffs once it's all said and done. And for that, we shouldn't be make we should not be down for that. We shouldn't be negative or upset. That's a positive thing. And hopefully maybe the Steelers can do something that they haven't done in a while, if they do get there and let's win a game. So uh, only time will tell, you know, first first things first is getting healthy and then playing the next game. But with that being said, we're out of here. Shannon, send us out.